Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we're back to our regularly scheduled hosts with our discussion of Love's Labor's Lost. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Shakespeare and at ShakespearePod. And now, on with the show. And then once you get to the fun time, you're left again going, and now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like somebody turned off this play while I was watching it. Did you steal one of my beers? Yeah, I did. Is it one of the cold ones? Yeah. You're smart. He's something. He's so smart. this is the blonde one, which I've not had. Sorry. It is. It's fruity. Yeah. It actually tastes like peach. I'm starting a off bit, with yeah. a non-themed beer. What do you got? This is the Chocoveza from Stone. That's very good. I've had it that is, before. It is. He wanted me to call this Cronenberg. I wanted to call it 16. I wanted to call it 1776. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cronenberg 1664. But I brought 1664 before. Well, you brought the, you know, the, the original. Regular, yeah. So I'm like, well, this I'll try the... unleaded or whatever. <laughs> it's not light, it's blanc. Um, that doesn't mean it's unleaded. I, there's no... Life is too short, Ryan, for weak women and light beer. No, I agree. You don't drink light beer. That's why we couldn't drink the champagne of bottled beers in its light beer form, because it doesn't say the champagne of beers on... Also, on... do you really need to make that any lighter? It's pretty much water as it is. Oh, no, it's got more, it's definitely got more body to it than, uh, you know, things like Bud Light. I don't like Bud Light. Why not drink Budweiser? Nobody likes Bud Light. Not even the people that drink it regularly like Bud Light. I got made fun of for bringing, I went to a jewelry party, and it was like, bring your own beverage. So I brought a six-pack of Miller High Life because I didn't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So she went to the gas station, got myself a six-pack, and left. They were drinking Michelob Ultralight and making fun of my beer. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mick Ultralight? Yeah. That's, like, that's my mom's beer. That's It is a mom beer. It it's is. It's the tall, skinny, white lady beer. Yeah. No, it, that, my mom, who is a average-height, skinny, white lady, and she drinks her, her Mick Ultralight. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Yeah. We now know, Julie, what you drink. And we will make fun of you for Probably not. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of stock in the Greenlee family. I've got one left to collect. You gotta catch them all with fucking Pokemon. Uh, yeah. Our our student loans refinancing them. I have one left to collect. Uh, He's still in school. Yep. Give him give him time. Greenlee man, <laughs> gotta catch them all. You already got the one with the best hair, so. It's mm. true. It's true. I do have Chad's. Chad's <laughs> <he's> fucking bald. <laughs> Aww. Your reaction to that. Well, Charles isn't out yet. Chuck, I'm coming for you. <laughs> it's awkward. You're welcome. So, <clears throat> now that I've made it weird. Yeah. On recording, <laughs> I'm not editing it out. Don't. Yeah, don't. No, they have to know. They no, have to know. For the longest time. It's not like, it's not like all the Greenleys listen to this. Chuck might. 
Chuck, don't, I mean, don't call your brother Chuck. It's he, unsettling to it, me. It, it is unsettling to me as well, but... Come for your daughter, Chuck. <laughs> Why Look, is it my brother prefers to be Matt, but I don't call him that. I don't either. No, because you know him through me. You can always tell how somebody knows my older brother based on whether they call him Matt or Matthew. If they call him Matt, they know him. If they call him Matthew, they know him through me. I call him the guy on air. Oh. <laughs> Is this some weird, like, once in future guy on shit? <laughs> no, he's the guy on air, the heir to their fortunes. The chocolate fortune? <laughs> it's true. The guy on chocolate fortune. It's true, and Jeffrey is but the spare. <laughs> you were to be married off as you are worthless. <laughs> We've seen your lineage. I, well, that's we right, you start, start talking about your brother, and I don't know your older brother. Right. Like, I, like I have seen him. Obviously, you know, and I, I, like, may have been introduced to him once, but I was like, it was really weird that you would call Jeffrey Matt. (laughs) (laughs) We should talk about their older sister. Yes. Yes. Wait till you meet Kate. She's she's a trip. Uh, Well, once again, I've probably seen her. Kate does not exist. Uh... (laughs) Kate is imaginary. I just assume there's a lot of guy-ons. I don't know. No, it's a very long story. I I don't know if I know one or not. Mm -hmm. I I just assume that if they tell me there's one, then okay, they're they're making chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Perpetually, always. If you see some guy or girl in a plaid shirt making chocolate, it's probably a guy-on on some level. Or at least someone learning how to be one. Yeah, Yeah, I I saw the pictures of... of Isn't that how you get adopted into the family? You show up in a plaid flannel shirt at Thanksgiving and make chocolate? Yes. Yeah. Then you're one of us. Well, I mean, that's already my uniform anyway, pretty much. You know, hoodies or flannel, so I mean, I can fit right in. this chocolate over here... Those are empty chocolate boxes (laughs) that I need to take back to... Bethany's going to flip her shit. There's chocolate sitting over there. No, I have... I circled around the chocolate that was over there for a while, but now that the chocolate... Like vultures. Like a vulture. If Um, if there is chocolate in those stock boxes, and I'm not going to rule it out, there might be... It's very old chocolate. It's, it's probably, like a year old it's at not, this point. No, I don't know if you want to It's not it. even a year old. It's not Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> I've got three weeks 11 and a half months down. old, and I don't know what the shelf life for our candy year, is. Year old, year old guy on chocolate. <laughs> Ben's willing to find out. Well aged. <laughs> no. Aged. Yeah, aged. I'll find, I'll find out. <laughs> Finally aged <laughs> guy in chocolate. Hey, sometimes I like a good aged wine. I don't. Actually, I hate wine. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> But nicely aged beers, you know, like bourbon barrel aged beers and things. I was talking to the dude at the. I know. I I heard you while I was picking out beer. Oh, good. But I, he he was talking about that very expensive beer that is a bourbon aged barrel stout, a maple CBS, yeah, Yeah, a maple aged Canadian. You've taken three things I like separately. I like stout. Mm -hmm. I like bourbon, and I like maple. I don't want them together. Mm-hmm. I don't want maple inside my beer because yeah, I actually, because I'm I'm brewing a a beer soon that is a barrel aged stout. And whenever somebody puts bourbon in my beer, which has happened, Jessica, I get upset that you forced me to drink a Boilermaker when I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only drink Boilermakers on purpose. 
Yes, but when you get up to get another round of shots and somebody pours the last shot that they had inside your beer and then you get back and you no, that's away, mean. And you're yeah. like, this tastes uh, like I didn't have this much bourbon. What's going on? They're like, no, nothing, should, nothing. Should... It's just, it's just your breath blown back in your face. I'm like, mm. No, you should only drink Boilermakers on purpose. It's cruel to make someone do that if they're not expecting it. I like to drink them separately. I take the shot and then I drink the beer. No, I, I, I drop. I, I do, you know, depth charge style. Drop the shot of bourbon in the beer. It's not that much different. I just prefer, like, I'm not. You like to keep it separated. Yeah, you got to keep it separated. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of keeping things separated, oh, oh, this is gonna be a stretch. (laughs) That was it. That was the whole. That was that was her segue. And yes, that was her segue stalled out. You need practice. Much like your... the end of this play when it doesn't have a sequel. You need, you need work on your best segue. Oh, you mean Love's Labor's 1? Yes. That does not exist. So, Love's Labor's 1 does exist. <laughs> it was written mm-hmm. for uh, a Doctor Who episode. True. But then they were trying to summon demon witches down I on hate the world. When Shakespeare and... summons demon <laughs> witches. I have been in the Scottish play several times. <laughs> But if Love's Labor's 1 is the sequel, then the play we are discussing tonight is... That is my favorite uh, Doctor Who episode, by the way. Love's Labor's Lost. And I wish that the play had been lost. Well, I'm not a fan. It is not a heavily performed play. It is not a heavily adapted play. Which is sad. I have seen it live. (laughs) So have we. So have we. In Medford. But it is... Speaking of Medford, uh, I really enjoyed the Live from Medford uh, episode that was released. Uh, on the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is the the third as we are recording I'm now. Super stoked to talk about Book of Will <laughs> with y'all. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Um, especially having after hearing you guys talk about Book of Will. Um, especially when you get you know, get to the, the Cassie's talking about the uh, the uh, being a love letter to Shakespeare. And oh. Immediately, the first thing I thought is, what are we doing every time we get together and record? And then you, right. of course, brought that up. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, we've all performed Shakespeare. We're kind of mean in our love letter, though. Sometimes you have to have tough if you, loves. Mm-hmm. If somebody wrote me a love letter that sounded like <laughs> the way we talk about Shakespeare, I'd be like... It's, it's, it's tough love. Okay? It's an honest love letter. Because, look, if you're, write, if you're writing a love letter... It's like 10 things I hate about you, the love letter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I love, I love Shakespeare despite the faults. And there are. There are tons of faults. Would you even say because of the faults? Oh, yeah, indeed. Especially certain plays because of the faults. Look, if you write 27, 37 of anything, not all of them are going to be winners. No. No, 37 plays. Sonnets on top of that. Yeah. You know. uh, He was a a working actor, writer, director, you know, all at the same time because he wanted to eat. Exactly. There are probably more than 37 plays out there that have his writing in them, mm-hmm. stamp, you know, that he wasn't the main writer or, or Ooh, whatever. this is a whole other level to the authorship. How many Restoration authors are actually Shakespeare? There we go. I'd rather do that than how many <laughs> people, people try to argue with me that he didn't exist or didn't write his plays because those people are obviously we wrong. We can't argue that he didn't exist. We have <laughs> clerical evidence that he existed. But people people like to say that he didn't write his plays, and those people are obviously wrong and should die in a fire. My favorite... Oh, please. No. My godfather. I like him. He shouldn't die in a fire. He might be wrong about this, but... 
So you, you mentioned that this play is not often performed, but I have pulled up my spreadsheet for the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. That <laughs> Which I made. she made up her own delicious. Yes, I did. Shakespeare, uh, she already exists. Um, I don't know that they had the information I wanted to collect, so I made my own. She didn't bother Gathered her own it. information. She didn't bother I did. looking at and it. And no. Love's Labor's Lost is one of the shows that they have done most often. In the time that they've been operating, which was since 1935, which uh, with a seven-year gap around World War One. World War Two, you mean? World War Two. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go back in time to skip performing. Around they have World the Shakespeare War I. time machine. Um, God damn it! They have it. <laughs> uh, but they. We're going to Oregon, Beth. The the right. plays that they have. Machine performed most often they've done 16 times in that time frame love's labor's lost they've done 11 times in that time frame which so is, is fairly frequently that is fairly frequently well, yeah, when, doing... you, when you consider that you obviously take years off you know you try to make sure that it's still fresh for a new audience every time you go to do you know like yeah uh you know like lion face we have never put on the same shakespeare but we've only been around for 11 years so exactly when i was doing research about this play one of the things that kept being noted and everything that I was, was that it was not a commonly performed play. Not in the same way that Troilus and Cressida is not a commonly performed no, play. No, Troilus and Cressida is at the bottom of the list. It's been performed five times. Right down there with King John? Um, King John has actually, yes, five times, never mind. <laughs> exactly the same amount, but not the least performed play. Pericles. No, what is Pericles it? has also been performed five times. The least performed Titus. play. It's Titus. Is a three-way tie between Henry VIII, Timon of Athlin, Athens, and Titus Andronicus. I, lo- I looked at her spreadsheet. I cheated. <laughs> that makes me sad, because Titus Andronicus is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Now, lots of faults. And we'll get into that when eventually we do talk about Titus, but... How far into this recording are we without really touching on Love's Labor's Lost at all? Uh, 13 minutes. Awesome. Nice! I know. Awesome. You know well what you is introduce ourselves. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Well, I, hey, no, a 13-minute cold open is the shit. <laughs> but uh, this is the Shakespeare Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hatfield. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. And I'm Chase Greenley. And uh, we are here to talk about Love's Labor's Lost tonight. So let's take a quick trip in our Shakespeare time machine to Navarre. <laughs> Zach Navar? No, not Zach Navar. He's, he's in Australia. <laughs> I doubt he listens to this, but he is in Australia. He should listen to this. He should. He'd like it. He might. He might. Okay. But either way, <laughs> so let's take a That's trip. the way tonight's going, folks. <laughs> when I said when we started off in the beer store, <laughs> everything Ryan said, I instantly responded to it with, your mom's a saison. I realized where tonight was going to go. Uh, it's just going to be... So we open with the King of Navarre and his... Ferdinand. Ferdinand and his three friends. Byron, Longueville, and Dumaine. Yeah, Dumas. Dumas. And my copy of... I'm looking at Norton's, and they spell Byron's name differently than they did in the program of the production that we've seen, and differently than I've seen it spelled other places. I have, it, other, I have it with a few different ways it's spelled it. Uh, B-E-R-O-W-N-E. W-Y-N-E, which is how they spelled it with ours, and they pronounced it Barone. Yeah, in, I've heard, uh, that's, I've heard Barone. that's a super Welsh way of spelling it. Yes. 
Yeah, like, there's, no, there's you, no Y in the one that I remember. Yeah, if there's but, ever a W and a Y together for no good reason, it's Welsh. But yeah, but yes, even without the Y, B E R O W N E or B E R O W Y N E, you know. But then also, then a lot of times you'll see it as Byron with B I R O N. That's the way I have it is B I R O N, Byron. I got mine from Gutenberg because yeah. free well, and, free full text online. Is well, the way and, to go. and Longaville is spelled two different ways as well. Yeah. Sometimes, usually it's L O N G U E V I L L E, but sometimes they take the U E out and replace okay. it with an A. Yeah. Right, and it might just be to help people with the pronunciation. We'd have to go over to DC to to some Shakespeare scholars and figure it out. But yeah, anyway, go to the Folgers Museum. You have you have Ferdinand and you have. Barone, Byron, and you have their two interchangeable friends. Yes, long, long, um, long domain. <laughs> well, they're not interchangeable once you get the ladies involved. No, then, no, because the ladies are interchangeable. As is evidence <laughs> later in the play. Anyway, but, but, but the we'll letters are never interchanged with those other ladies or no. gentlemen. But that's a spoiler alert. Sorry about that. We'll talk about it in a minute. But Close so yours. the king spoiler alert to comes. Written over five hundred. The king ago. comes to his friends and he says, "Hey, we are students." Five four hundred years. We need to study. We need to focus on our scholastic pursuits. And so I have this contract that I want you all to sign for the next three years. We will not drink. We will not speak. Carouse. We will not have conversation with women or be in the same place or look at them yeah, for three no years. Contact so it's actually the. And dude starts complaining immediately. So it's no women coming in within a mile of the court. On pain of losing their tongues. <laughs> the women would lose their tongues. Well, of course, showing up. Well, of course seen... it's the patriarchy, Beth. The men wouldn't be punished. I'm going to punish you. And, and, and they will sleep for three hours a night, no more. Yeah, only they three fast hours sleep. One day a week. One day a week they fast, and they only eat one time a day the rest of the week. And Longville and Dumaine are both like, yeah, sounds good. We'll yeah, do it. And Barone is like, um, hang on. I have some, I have some questions. He straight up starts bitching about this From immediately. The but the thing is, this decree, this vow that has already happened. They already agreed to We're this. starting in the middle of the action, which you should whenever you're doing any kind of narrative. Start mid-action. It's a better way to get people in. But they've already sworn to this. And now Barone is like, wait, there's fine print? He's like, wait, I was drunk (laughs) when I said I would, and I will, because I don't want you to call me, uh, I don't want to be forsworn or whatever, but... uh, Forsworn has said a lot in the first scene. Can we we just, um, can we tone it down... Yeah, it's it's kind of like, oh, you mean that thing that we were joking about when we were drunk last night? You were serious about yeah, that? You, yeah, you so meant, serious. Like, so you serious. I, wait a minute. I've already made the decree. It's already gone out. Nobody can come. <laughs> Which is funny. Well, he's like, he made the decree yeah. three days ago. Yeah. About the women. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they got drunk three days ago, were hungover. Yeah. Like, had to sleep it off so bad that they're now finally getting together to talk about the drunken vow they made the other day. But Ferdinand woke up that morning and he's like... (laughs) Alright, let's do this. I remember this. He woke up fresh as a daisy. He woke up Tyler Ward morning of his 30th birthday wanting his eggs. Well, he threw up everywhere, so it makes sense. He did. I had to wash him. So, my... What I took away from this is... Hey, Tyler. (laughs) I know you'll listen to this eventually. Only about seven months after it's released, but... Longaville is such a suck-up. I believe my my only note here is Longaville is a bit of a twat. <laughs> and I think that that's going to be the running theme for him. He's a bit of a douche canoe. So, 
he just is he a twat or a douche canoe? I you mean, get to they play. are. I mean, they can be very different things. They can be very different things, and let's see how he progresses. Okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll rate him on a scale of twat to douche canoe by the end of the play. Twat, twat to douche canoe. Um, but he's just he's and he's such a tool bag. <laughs> but you swore, Byron, that you'd do it. Oh, I know you don't want to do it more than I don't want to do it. But you said you'd do it, so you should probably do it. You said you'd do you it. You said you'd do it. Byron's <laughs> like, um. They're, oh, and he's the one who said that the women will lose their tongues if they come within a mile of the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Byron's pro- like, um, wait a minute. That wait, we're gonna we're gonna cut their tongues out? What? Let's let's back the crazy train up. How did I sign up for this? You turned your intensity to eleven, and I was at like a two. But in this opening scene, they seriously jumped the shark. They really did. In this opening scene, though, Shakespeare gets some beautiful lines in. And, and this may be why it's performed, because there are good lines. And just, a lot of it... There's no substance to the play. The mind no. shall banquet, though the body pine. But like, there's just some great parts. It, if it's performed right, this play is hilarious. Like, you can have so much fun with these four guys. But and the text is slapstick. so... The text is so difficult to yeah, perform. It is. And it as is. we've said it's many a, It's times, very much a talking head show. There's little to no action. Neil LeBute made a whole career out of this. I also met a new train of Neil LeBute. <laughs> Alright, I'm just saying. How about Neil Simon? Same thing. Funny no, shows, talking heads. No, really a Neil Simon <laughs> guy either. Alright, I'm just saying. Just I, like, I like a little bit more uh, action Some, yeah. words used. <laughs> you don't like it written entirely in the passive? No. We'll stay away from Samuel Beckett as well. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know which playwrights I should avoid. <laughs> But no, it's true because this play is, you know, your typical five acts long. It's two and a half hours to perform. And it's, it's five unnecessary acts. I mean, the only things that happen happen in four, act four and act yeah, five. Yeah, but it is well, just we had a to bunch get it up of to people. Three days. Yeah. It's a bunch of people but there's no marriage. sitting around, Which is why it's not a romance. heckling each other. That's what we do. Yes. But it's just, it's just a bunch of people playing uh, yes, tricks on each other. That's and why we're boring. <laughs> It's like, there's so much... They're not even good tricks. They're not even good tricks. But there's so much just ridiculous privilege going on in this show. Because you've got these eight characters and the four guys and the four women who can literally just lounge around all day. Yes. They have the luxury of just not doing anything for three years but studying. Well, it's like it's like the cast of Friends <laughs> set in France, you know, back in the Renaissance. How do they afford that work? But eventually, through all this witticism of the first act and the first scene, Byron eventually goes, okay, yes, fine, yes, let's sign this contract, let's enter into this accord, we are sworn brothers, we shall be true to this. And then... uh, Wait a minute! (laughs) But hold on, just a second. There's a woman that's coming here! But, oh yeah, the princess of Spain! Yeah! (laughs) And she's coming! And the king literally goes... And it's like, oh, oh okay, the princess of Spain, you gonna cut out her tongue? No. It's the princess of France, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about the secession or yeah. Right, yeah. Um but and so they don't cut out the tongues, but they do make the princess and her entourage they, stay a mile outside of the court. Yep. That's how they get around. They have to camp. A mile yes, outside they, of they your camp, All right. They camp in the woods. We need to stop. 
You're going too far too fast for the ridiculousness. Let's actually go through the plot, Cassie. Can I keep you on on point? Well, sorry. We I'm trying to jump ahead and try and no. get, you know. We were talking about the plot. The you want to talk yeah. about Castard. I do, because he's. it's important. If we don't have Castard, then we don't have the second letter. We don't have the B plot of the show. <laughs> Which turns out to be Act 4. <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. The entirety of Act 4 is the B plot. Okay, so this man is brought before the king, Castard. Yeah. Who is in love with a country woman? Jacquinetta. Jacquinetta. It's, it's a pretty dope name. <laughs> you should have named your daughter Jacquinetta. Nah, Isabel, Isabel works better. <laughs> really? Is she not keeping company with three different men? She's not. Does she's she know only, who she's pregnant by? She's only five. Oh, well, yeah, Isabel works better then. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> when she's older, she can become Jacquinetta. Jacquinetta. Oh, that woman's such a Jacquinetta. That's going to be my new go to for. um. A woman who's expressing her own sexuality and sowing her oats as she pleases. Mm. You were you were about to be uh, to be. No, actually, I was just thinking about a fun way that I could make that about not slut shaming. <clears throat> well, good because yeah, you shouldn't exactly. We shouldn't. So we have Jacquinetta who but yes, Costard is in love with her. He's in love. She has. She's pregnant, and she doesn't know by whom. And well, there's another dude in the picture. His name is Don Adriano de Armado. Yes. Disco Dad! <laughs> the fantastical Spaniard Don de Armado. Disco Dad is from now on. In the production we saw, he was a, like, disco aging dad. disco star. Oh, yeah, so, like, did he Trying have, like, to the, recapture. Yeah, the, like, the, the wide deep lapel. V, wide lapel, deep V, mm-hmm. wig, toupee. Oh, yeah. Like, nice. but, but when he didn't have the wig toupee, glorious mane of white hair. So yeah. the, wig, the wig toupee was to hide that he had white hair underneath. Yes. yes. Not that he was going bald or anything like that, but the... T- yeah. Receding hairline, but still, like, a, a, a solid widow's peak. Great white well, hair. Well, and what was but, really fascinating, and we, Chase and I promised we weren't going to get too much into the production that we saw, and we'll talk about the play in, in, in generality. Oh, we have two podcasts to get through it's today, true. so go for it. Yeah. But the same actor who played um, our, our, the, Armando? Armando. Disco Dad. Also played um, Brabantio in Othello. Oh, okay. So oh, it was so really interesting to see yeah. the a juxtaposition. Couple, there's a couple of double casts. Isn't that fun when you go yeah. to see a true repertoire theater to watch the same the same members of the troupe go from one show to another show? And when we do it, we do one show at a time. And so you get really deep into it, and you have to think... It's hard enough they... getting some of these people to learn their lines. Could yeah. you imagine making someone learn two shows? Well, not only that, but to right know now. know all of your your actions, know every your, your reason... Your blocking. Yeah. Your reasoning behind it. Like, what is your objective well, this character? And, and getting so into two of them and doing them. And for the most part, it was like a fairly small role What's against a bigger role. So Barone was also Rodrigo in Othello. And this guy. And then Othello was... The, one of the like weird side characters who doesn't need to be in this show, who just sits around to prove how smart Shakespeare was. Dull. Yeah, one of those two. Um, I liked Dull, but Dull was Desdemona was the princess in this, so that actress had two sizable, roles. very hefty roles. Yeah, sizable roles in the same season. To be able I to was, do Desdemona and I was very impressed. With but a lot of the same objectives between the two. That's fair. So. Anyway, but so uh, our mom, Disco Dad, has sent Castard over to uh, to be dealt with by the king because he was seen in the company of Jacquinetta, 
And Custard, I love this part where Custard's trying to justify being seen with her, where he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I heard, but I didn't think anything of your proclamation. But I wasn't with a woman, I, w- I was with a damsel. Well, it doesn't matter if it was a damsel, it's still on the thing. Okay, not a damsel, she was a virgin. That still doesn't matter, it's a woman. Okay, so she wasn't a virgin. Uh, I was taken with a maid? Nope, not gonna make a difference. None of that is... They're all still female. None of that. All's in the list. None of that will happen. And it's like, well, a maid will not serve your turn, sir. Well, this maid served my turn, sir. What up? And we get a good sex pun in there. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to take a moment and always realize when Shakespeare is making a good penis or sex joke. Mm Mm-hmm. Which he does frequently. He does. Which he does. He does frequently. Well, he's the father of dick and fart jokes. They're crowd pleasers. Yeah. And his entire punishment... Gotta play with the cheap seats. ...is to... He has to go live with Armand for a week. Mm-hmm. With only water and bran. So he's gonna be pooping real well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, except he won't have anything but bran to poop out, so... And Jack Juanetta, as far as I know, is gonna lose her tongue. But well, she definitely talks. She definitely talks mm-hmm. a lot later, more than Armando would probably like her to. But, like, that's his punishment. They talked earlier about, like, the court will serve up embarrassing punishments yeah. for who, whatever man is found. Women lose their tongues, but a man will have some sort of embarrassing punishment. His embarrassing... Frat, frat hazing. Yeah. His embarrassing punishment is water and bran for a week in a dude's house you don't like. I mean, that is a punishment, but I mean, it doesn't kind of... It doesn't... It doesn't equal losing your fucking tongue. In a tongue. week, your punishment is done. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't equal losing your fucking tongue. It, do- it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but they send them back off. And then... Oh, what even comes next? Well, we've got... Then we Armado over is, to is revealed Mato. to... He's also in love with Jacquinetta. Yes. And Moth is so much smarter. Moth may be our fool... For this, that I mean, it's his entire role mm-hmm. with Disco Dad. Yeah, really like is he's there to be his fool, his jester? Um, but he's so much smarter than his lord. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's silly, and I love him. Yeah, but we leave Armada going. I'm going to write a beautiful sonnet to Jacquinetta <laughs> to prove my love to her, and he makes Custard deliver it. But that happens later. But that is when yeah. he's going to make Custard yeah. so deliver it. So then we meet the princess. And this is when the princess and, and her, her ladies. And three interchangeable ladies. And Rosalind, I guess. Rosalind. She has a little bit more going on. She's got a... So again, princess, royalty, second in command, and the two interchangeable ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and their boyette, who is their escort. And they've shown up. To go, hey, we're here for this royal visit that we were sent on. We're here to meet the king. And like, well, the king's made this decree, so now you've got a camp a mile outside the court. <laughs> I believe the response is, the fuck we do. <laughs> the fuck you say? I don't, I don't think so. And so then the four ladies start trashing the king and his men. Mm-hmm. And they do quite well. Yes, they're very smart ladies, all of them. Even the ones who are... Yeah, they actually... Court. They actually... Um... One of the things that is a, a high point of this is that the women are very... They're very smart. They go wit for wit. And the king comes to see them with his men. 
And all eight, well, all four of the men immediately realize that they've made a horrible mistake. And they would like to backtrack this no lady's promise that they made. Well, well because the king immediately falls for the princess, and Barone I mean, immediately falls uh, for, for Rosalind and the interchangeable but This ones. isn't love at first sight. They've all met before. Yes. At this wedding yeah. and that wedding and this royal visit and that royal But visit. now, because they cannot interact with them by their, because of their stupid decree, now all of a sudden. They want them very much. Yes. So, I was talking to Ryan about a Reddit thing. Mm-hmm. That's going on right now, which is important that we do this play during this time, because it is no nut November. <laughs> and oh, so, is that a thing? Apparently, yeah, apparently. Oh, okay. It's on the internet. It's a thing, and if you read it, you would see it all the time. Because apparently, when people get involved in no nut November, they can't make it three days without whining about not nutting, not right. being able to get off. Yeah. So we're all adults here. They are not allowed to ejaculate. Well, all right, we're earning that explicit tag for Shorzies. <laughs> was it the word explicit? Was the word ejaculate, or was it no nut? Um, I think this. I think when we continue to talk about it, I'd say ejaculate is not a. That's not a bad. Word. Yeah, I didn't it's think a, no nut is function. no nut is also a kind of a euphemism. So I don't feel like that's an explicit term. I think when I dropped the f bomb ten to twenty seconds ago, <laughs> that got us our explicit. I mean, look. I said we look. We had it beforehand. We're earning it now. Yeah, I was saying we we passed PG thirteen a long time ago. Yeah, I didn't even think we were trying for an all audience oh. show. I oh, know PG thirteen lets you drop one f bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh well, fuck that. Mm-hmm. We lost that with Troilus uh, and Cressida with sex dad, sex uncle. <laughs> anyway, creepy sex. So uncle. there's there's this question of repayment. Uh, that the princess has with the king. Yeah, that the king of France was supposed to have repaid a hundred thousand crowns, and then Ferdinand, the, the king of Navarre, was going to give back Aquitaine. But, <laughs> but, but wait, I thought King John had Aquitaine. <laughs> we don't know when this falls. <laughs> And that was also something I was trying to research, is like, when exactly is this place supposed to be set? Right. Because it's not really a king of Navarre in any time frame within Shakespeare's life, or in the times that he writes about. Um, and what I got from it was, at one point in time, this probably made a lot of sense to a lot of people and how the political structure in Navarre worked. It, however, during its run of its own, during the Restoration period when it was running, it kind of didn't. No longer made any It no longer made any sense, even to the audience at the time, so it was made ambiguous. Which is fine. Yeah. I don't it don't I don't need it to have a time frame or anything like that, and I don't really need there to be a king of Navarre for it. But But that's the reason for the visit. Right. That's the purpose to get them there. Um but so then you've got like all of this subtle flirting going on in this scene with well, they're trying to hide the fact that they're flirting because they're not allowed to be flirting. Well, because they're not even supposed to be they're talking. They're not even supposed to be talking to each other. So they're all going, all the guys are going through Boyette going, so can you tell me that girl's name? What? Can What's you that? tell me that girl's name? Well, it's like a middle school dance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Except with, they're not allowed to actually dance. With a whole bunch of weird banter. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, I well, feel it's, like... it's a middle school dance with all wallflowers. Isn't that... What middle school <laughs> do you go to? That was the middle school dance, and then there was one super hypersexualized couple in the middle that's actually touching shoulders. 
Oh, hussies. Gotta, gotta leave room. <laughs> gotta leave room for the Holy Spirit in there. <laughs> Six inches for Jesus. But yeah, so they... The best part about that is how badly I broke that. Oh yeah, wow, you're very well broken. You alright there? No. No, you gonna no Jesus dick jokes. <laughs> Six inches for Jesus. <laughs> Like most men, he probably doesn't need the six inches. All right, let's get going. <laughs> what? Moving on. I guess it depends so, on if Mary Magdalene's doing the measuring or not. So the entirety of Act Two, my mom's gonna is this this weird Hi, stuff. This, this weird flirtation funneled through Boyette. Yeah. Well, and they all have their own, especially Violet and Rosaline. They have their own like little banter, and I feel like it's a lead up. And I didn't look to. I didn't note when Much Ado About Nothing was written compared to this. This but is 1598. Was, well, at least when it was first published. And Cordo in 1598. Which would have mean Much Ado would have come first. But this, uh, but the, when it was published in Cordo, it also says that the, that version was most likely a, like a revised... But Byron version. and Rosalind sound so much like Benedict and Beatrice mm-hmm. with the way they banter, with the way they want to pretend that they Drag don't like each other. Benedict. You've been a dick. You just wanted me to make that joke again? I always be a dick. Yeah. But there's no T at the end of his name. Anyway. This silence is the time in which I am silently <laughs> flipping the table in my mind. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yeah, don't flip the table, the recording equipment, and chase this computer around there. It's Please true. Don't. So, yeah. We're waiting on some proof that the king actually did repay the money. So that part's all boring. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just so then this they weird flirting. They part ways, and we go back to mm-hmm. Armado, Moth, and Pistard. Well, don't, don't well, no. First, well, Boy, Boyette has got to come up with a great idea. Tell you what, you know the best way to get Aquitaine back for your dad? You make that king love you. And then you marry him, and you get it anyway. Yes, good plan. Thanks. Which, but also they end up with Barone. Barone writes a letter to Rosaline, which oh. eventually will be delivered. Who should um, he get to deliver that? I think he should get Costard to do it. I don't think that happens yet. It doesn't yet. happen yet. Yeah. So let's go back to... Can we plot points? Spoiler alert. Look, it was written over 400 years ago. So, yeah. So Act 1 is explaining the contract. Act two is the princess. The lovers meet. And act the one is the, meet. Act one is the longest of the first three acts. Yeah. Act two is the shortest of the first three yeah. acts. And then act three is this business of the letters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have this sonnet to Jaquanetta that Armado has written and asked Costar to deliver. Mm-hmm. And you have this sonnet to Rosalind that Barone has written and asked Costar to, to deliver. deliver. And so and for Kastard. the uh, observant people in the audience who know how these slapsticky things oh, work. Oh, no! What if those letters got mixed up? Why would you pick that guy to <laughs> Why would you give the same guy both letters? I don't feel that this will go wrong at all. He seems like a stalwart gentleman. He seems very trustworthy, this Costard. Custard. But, yeah... So yeah, so they 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 both give the letters to Castard. Yeah, and that's Act Three. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very short, and Barone has a long speech at the end about how in love he is with Rosalind. I feel like he and Romeo should get together. Um, Rosalind, the, the only other part Rosalind. that's really great about it is Moth. 
Moth is hilarious. He's the wonderful. Whole thing. He's hilarious. And in the second part of this, I'll go back and talk about how great Moth is and all of the times that he's super funny with math, which is weird for Shakespeare to be funny with math. <laughs> and so then we and get Jack to... And Jack also goes and... Uh... Oh, is... All right. So inside this scene, though, Shakespeare also references himself. There's a lot of that in this There's play. a lot of self-reference going on. There's a lot of dated... And I understand that this play was written like 500 years ago. There's a lot of dated literary references to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But 420. Thanks, dude. Yeah, My sweet ounce of man flesh. <laughs> <laughs> right I, almost, I almost, I almost, uh, you almost I almost, I almost had a spit take on that. My one. sweet ounce of man's flesh. My inconny Jew. Like, he's referencing himself there, yeah, he's, but it's also a pretty good dick joke. As referencing seen by, Merchant of Venice. Yeah, yep. as seen by... I just wanted to say that so I could see his face when I said, Sweet ounce of man flesh. It didn't, it didn't do to me what six inches for Jesus did to you, but it was close. That's because... All right, so I try to be a good person sometimes, like 10% of the time. Uh, 10? That's a bold statement. She said try. I try. <laughs> I said try. Um, and so I feel that there's lines that I just don't normally cross, and usually making dick jokes about religious figures is one of them. Otherwise, I have so many jokes about Ganesh. <laughs> uh, I usually make them about Thor's mighty hammer. Mm. That's too obvious. I know. That's why. And nobody really gives a, gives a shit if you, you know, are talking about the Norse pantheon in that way. They're no, not as uptight. The, the Norse aren't as uptight as the Christians. Uh, yes, that's very true. Good job. Truth time. All right. So where were we? Act four. All right. So somehow we're well, in Act four. Well, did we, well no, we, did, we, we didn't talk about Jack Winetta does go. That's Act three is when she meets with uh, Nathaniel and Hollis Turner. No, nope. Is that Act four? That's Act four. Oh yep. Jesus! Yeah. Then we're already in Act four because that's the next thing that really happens. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm trying to find where they put intermission for the production we saw, and I'm pretty sure it's between X4 and 5. Yep, it has to be. What What would be the point? We're yeah. talking about 40, 30 to 40 minutes worth of stage time for X1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Well, and so then you, you, go, you go an hour and a half. You go X1 through 4, you should about an hour and a half, and then Act 5 is an hour by itself, and you want yeah. the longer part of the show before intermission. But this yep. isn't... The, so, Shakespeare breaking down shorter acts isn't something abnormal. Like, when we looked at Henry... 5? No? No. Nope. We, we looked at one that had a big battle scene in it. Caesar. Caesar. Where acts, yes. acts three and four were super short because they were action based, and so they're moving very quickly. And, and then Act five was a million years long. Right, and we didn't feel anything wrong with that. But when the setup is what's so short, we know that what we're going to get is not a lot of content. You yeah. didn't have a lot of setup going on. Well, that's what I'm saying. For, for, for an intermission break on on this, you have to go after Act four. Mm-hmm. You do. All right, so Act four. The princess is watching the king be all kingly up on a hill. And Costar comes back in. And he goes, here, I have this letter for that one. That one there. And now I gotta go deliver another letter. I'm sure I gave you the right one. 100%. We're good. 100%. 100%. Do you remember who it's from? Yep, sure. It's good. It's good. 
Um, but he actually delivers shock plot twist. The letter intended for Jack Winetta. Oh, no. How could that have ever happened? And then we get a little bit of insight into the letter. And inside this long speech from Boyette, as he kind of tells us what's in the letter itself, mm-hmm. here is where my biggest problems, and it's great that it comes from Armand, because Armand is character, in case we haven't really put that through. The king, the princesses, the lords, they're all very smart people. They're studying. They're doing all this. Disco dad's an idiot. Yeah. Yes. Moth makes reference to the fact that he doesn't know what one plus two is. Disco dad's an idiot. So in the letter itself, he's trying to make himself sound so smart. And that's where a lot of these dated literary references come from. And some of them, like, vidi vidi vici and things like that, which doesn't make any sense in a love letter come back through. So I this whole part to me was hilarious. This would be so yeah. funny to see on stage. Especially since they think it's from Barone. They've been told that it's from... That it's from Barone, yes. Well, and then... Well, they figure it out before he starts reading the letter. They're like, oh, this is written to a Jack Winetta. So apparently he at least wrote on the top of it Dear... <laughs> to, to, to Jack Winetta. Do you like me, Circle? Yes or no? Here's a bunch of weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there are... They make references to stuff in here that I had to, like, start looking up what the yeah. frig it was. I don't know who Gophidia is or Xenophallen, but, like, this... But you get that. You get that in every 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 Shakespeare where there's something like that where somebody's giving well, a speech. There's always references to things that would have been... Important then. I don't know that these were important then. Well, no, but uh, you get a lot of references to, to Greeks... Uh, you know, the Greek and Roman, uh, you know. Well, one is Greek, and the other one is Persian. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have told you that because just simply based off of the letters used. Yeah, <laughs> but but so they spend a scene picking it apart and making fun of the letter. Too many accents to yeah. be anything else. Well, it's written with Latin words in here, lots of Latin stuff in here, and then then references to the Greek, references to uh, Persians. The whole thing is stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But they so they sad. spend the scene picking it up. Well, he's the, yeah. sa- he's the saucy Spaniard. Who? Yes, it's not his first language. And then we. And maybe yeah. what works in Spain doesn't necessarily. Yeah, fly and then in the, the they try Navarre. they try to get Castar to understand his mistake. Like, okay, dude, you said this was is from Barone to Rosalind. It's, it's not, definitely it's not. not. It's so it's like, no, it totally is. Because I got two letters from two dudes to deliver to two different girls, and there's no way that I could have possibly mixed them up. And then he realizes, oh, shit, what he's done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get put into, into the guy's basement again with water and bread. It's going to be so bad. I don't want the bread. So he, he, he runs to go try and fix his mistake. And then we go to Sir. scene two with the most useless characters in the entire show. Who do not need to be here. We talk about Hollow Furnace and, and Sir Nathaniel. And Dull. Dull. I liked mm-hmm. Dull. You would. I would. Didn't Dahl show up before? Uh, no, this like is Dahl the first time before. you see any of Maybe they just make though. reference to Dahl before. Yeah. Because there's but talk about Jack Dahl. All that, it's really dumb. All that Holofernes and Nathaniel are there for is to sit and make quips about how smart they are. Yes. Yeah. Because Jack Winetta is going to them. 
to... Yes. Well, she wants to know who wrote her letter. So she goes to see all these scholars so they can figure out who wrote her letter. What? Who does that? <laughs> also, did Broom not sign... He may not have. He may trying, not because he was not trying to be. He was trying to be circumspect. Yeah. Um, if you would get water and bran for a week for writing a letter, but we say that Jacquinetta goes to them and she does, but there are seventy-five lines of dialogue before she enters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're there talking about, about how great nothing. they are. About nothing important. Like, in the production we saw, every time we opened on these two, I was just sitting there going, are we done yet? Mm-hmm. The, the one redeeming quality of them coming on stage is that they came on, not from either side, but from a, a hydraulic, hydraulic lift. stage lift. Like, Yay! So they put an over-importance mm-hmm. on these characters on these who are two. totally unimportant. Yep. And they set this scene in, like, an ice cream bar yep. that Jacquinetta was working at. So it was literally these two figures rising up from the floor, eating ice cream. <laughs> I'm in love with it. <laughs> That's a wonderful choice. It was it, pretty great. Did you see? Was this the one you saw in, in the Elizabeth in the outdoor theater? Yeah. That's a, that's. I mean, that's a wonderful choice for a couple of shitty characters. Yeah. yeah. That is a. By the way, if you have ever had the opportunity to go out to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, it is incredible. There are very few. Um, Stage replicas of the Globe Theater. That is one of them. Uh, however, is super modern. So there's actually like an awning and stuff like that. You won't get rained on. I have gone to a play there in the rain. You don't have to stand. Nope. There are chairs, but bring some blankets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's if you're seeing a night show or a show in the fall, bring some blankets. It's it got chilly. a little chilly. Even when we went, we went in August. Mm-hmm. We went and saw it on, we were there last on our first anniversary. No, more than that. I was pregnant. But it was still cold in August, because it's that side of the Cascades. But it's a gorgeous theater. All of the theaters of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival are amazing. Well, it, doesn't, it doesn't get super cold, but it also does not get super hot. No, it does both. Oh, is that? Yeah, it's on the desert side of the oh, Cascades. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So if, you are on, if you're on the ocean side of the Cascades, it stays cool all the time, because it's a, a coniferous rainforest, and it's beautiful, incredible. But if you're on the other side of it, it... It gets really, really hot and really, really dry in the summer. So when we woke up on the ocean one day, it was 50 degrees, and we drove inland. Um, by the time we got to Grant's Pass, which takes you through the mountains, it was 90 degrees. Like, this is terrible! I'm going back to the ocean! Screw you, Tyler Ward! So, um, but yeah, gorgeous. But yeah, so, but this scene drives me slightly crazy because it takes 75 lines for Jacquinetta to enter. And then another... 40 lines for her to actually give the letter and say, would you please read this and tell me what's going on? And then they literally read it and go, oh yeah, this says it's to Rosalind from Barone. You were given the wrong letter. She couldn't have read that? (laughs) Maybe she can't read. She's a country wench. That's true. She may not be able to. Uh, Virgin. Damsel. May. But. 16? 18? Okay. Oh, God, I hate you. I wanted to punch you in the calf for that. That was not the word she was going to say, folks. And so basically this entire scene is 150 lines long, but could have been about 20. Mm -hmm. But But we've all all talked to these people, and I'm so glad to know that even 420 years ago, there was still these people. That these people existed for... 
eternity that these here, people here, are here. Here, here, let me see your pen roll. No, quick. I haven't even written anything with it. I'm just using it. <laughs> let me see it. Why? This is going to be just quiet. <laughs> that, I don't even know why I scribbled it out. Nobody knows that person. Uh, Ryan just made a terrible joke that goes back 20 years. That goes back 20 years in our past that none of you will get, so I didn't feel the need to make it out loud. But instead, we took a silent yeah, pause Yeah, and said we made things very somebody, quiet. Somebody in a radio station somewhere just, like, cringed and got caught. Dead, dead, dead air. Dead air. Dead, dead air. No. Um, but yeah, so we, we end the scene with Jack and I going, oh, Custard, you've done fucked up. Let's go give this letter to the person it belongs to and see if we can get this sorted out. What's not awesome? Can we not forget that Custard is also in love with Jack Winetta? Yes. He is. So he all is. of this, like, can you give this love letter to her? How much of it was really an accident? How much of it was, ooh, I made a legitimate oh, mistake? Yeah, yeah. Or how much of it was Custard going, yeah, fuck <laughs> Disco Dad. Fuck Disco Dad. But so, then we get to 4-3, which is the most hilarious scene in the entire show. Oh, I love this. Um, because this is all four of the dudes have broken their vow and fallen in love, but they're all trying to hide from all the they're, others. They're the vow to, never like, says they won't fall in love. The vow just says they won't talk to the ladies. Yeah. Which but they, they've, they, all, but they, they've all written letters. And they all, but, the, but they all subsequently, they're all in a, like in a group and they subsequently, like each of them like, like reveals basically that they have fallen for either the girl, princess, girl A, girl B, girl C, girl D. Yes, the princess or or Rosline or whatever the one girl's name is and whatever the other girl's name is. But so with Lagavulin yeah. and Dum uh, <laughs> Dum, have fallen in love with them as well. I'm sorry, did you call him Lagavulin and Dum Dum? Yeah, that's their names, right? <laughs> That's isn't how important they are. Isn't that my job to mispronounce the names horribly? And then, <laughs> yeah, but I and then you ta- staunchly correct me every no, time yeah, I say I was, it the wrong way. I was helping you out this time. You didn't do it, what's, so I was doing it. What's oh, so it's... funny about the scene is that Barone comes on and he's talking about, oh my gosh, I'm so in love, and I have this sonnet that I wrote, and I'm so in love. And then the king comes on, and Barone's like, I can't let the king find me, so Barone hides. And then the king's like, oh, this girl, this princess, I'm so in love, and I wrote this sonnet, I'm so in love. And then Legavulin comes. He in. has to hide, and then Legavulin comes. And then he has to hide. Uh, and then Dum Dum comes then, out. Is it, is it because I can actually pronounce these names? Is that it? Yeah. Is that what's going on? Yeah, and so you've got with. the three guys hidden while the last one is there. So they're all hidden. And so Brone now sees everybody there. So he has the full scope of what's going on. And then each person only has another part of it. So you've got Dumaine who's, who's making his speech. And then Longville jumps out and goes, aha, I call you out. And then the king reveals himself and goes, aha, I call you out. You are both horrible people. And then Barone. And then Barone's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then Barone's like, but I am, still am above all of you because <laughs> I oh, have not, you know. And then, of course, Cassandra and Jack Quinnetta come, come in and ruin it for Barone. And they go, hey, we have this letter that you wrote to Rosalind and it got delivered to the wrong person. And then the other three guys get to go, ah And it's hilarious. So, it is so funny. This scene... I'm pretty sure is the only reason this play like, gets performed. Done. Yeah, no, it is the it's, it's sad, but it is the best scene in the entire like, play. This scene put into another play with a better setup and an actual conclusion would have been great. Yeah, and in fact, I might take the plot points of this. Well, I think I think we could probably take a few of Shakespeare's uh, lesser comedies slash romances and That's- just. That's that's going to be my next original play. Is going to be the unoriginal Shakespeare mashup. 
The unoriginal yeah. Shakespeare romance matchup. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah, and then you just you just pull the I'm best parts. I'm literally going to copy and paste. The, yeah, the best parts of every one of the romances, and just. And instead of changing names, I'll just have the characters go Ferdinand. I mean, Fred. Fred. Like change their yeah. names on stage. Mm-hmm. But, so character. once they've all been revealed, they kind of go, "Okay, we all broke the rule. We all fell in love. I guess the only solution now is to." Forget the contract and throw a big concert in disguise to get these girls to fall in love with us. Yes, but- because well, and Barone's, Barone's reasoning is the only study of mankind that are supposed to be studied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only study that is worthy of mankind is, is the study, study of, of love. love. And then everybody in the audience threw up except for the four <laughs> women who'd already had their tongues cut out. Yes, they don't have tongues. They're they like, can't tell us how how they react. They're like, you can reduce minimum. Uh, mandatory sentencing now, but I'm already in jail. So fuck yeah, you guys. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Barone is, I love this character. He's hilarious. Because he he's such a spin doctor of everything and it's marvelous. Well, and Shakespeare has a lot of... I also know a lot of guys who want to be this way. I'm yeah. not going to say he is, or any of our friends are actually this spinny or this good. Yeah. But he's so witty and he's so on top of it. Yeah. And well, a lot Shakespeare- of our friends who would like to be him. No. No. That is not a... Pointing to Ryan. Yeah, and I am disagreeing because I do not want to be Barone. Yeah, you do. No. He's smarter. I'm much more straightforward than Barone. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. So then we get to Act 5. What possibly could we still have to do? Everybody know. Oh. Well, first we have to have intermission. Yeah, Because intermission. that's the only way you can fit it in. All right, ready for intermission? And so then... The, let's for all some go reason, to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get some fucking snacks. Have ourselves a snack. Jeez. I'm lost. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to Welcome to back to our, our where do you fit intermission in the show. Literally, yeah. you can only do it yeah, after yeah. Act 4. And so... We open on Act Five. Oh, again, I should go in two and a half hours with nothing. the hydraulic lift in the ice cream shop. Of course, not yeah. the horrible Hol- people. Hol- for nerners. Hol- how do? Yeah. Jalapenos. And Jalapenos they're again and talking to show Jalapenos off. Jalapenos and Sir Nate. Talking to show off how smart they are. Sir Nate the doll. And sure. they are they. They have been asked to provide entertainment. Entertainment. To the ladies. To the ladies. Yes. And so jalapenos, they... Um, jalapenos and Nathaniel are going to entertain the ladies. And what do you entertain ladies with? But a play about... Not even a play. A series of... So the like nine... vignettes. Vignettes. What is it? The nine... Terrible about The nine talks. muses. Terrible, no, it's not about muses. Terrible TED No, it's the nine virtues. The nine virtues. So I went to look it up. I'm like, what, what was the nine virtues supposed to be? It is nine saints... Yes. And all of the... The the worthies, yeah. The Yeah, the nine worthies. And so it's like, it's Hercules and it's Alexander the Great, but they don't have nine people. And so Holofernes is going to play like six of them. them. Why why wouldn't he? Yeah, and and Nathaniel's going to play the other... And in the production we saw, they made it into this ridiculous performance art piece that was so hilariously bad. (laughs) When we get back to the second... Part of the podcast. Are we putting a pin in something? Yeah. I want to put a pin in going through, because I, for our readers who are never going to read this play, I feel like we need to read through, just you and me, we'll just read it through, just the beginning of this scene. 
Oh my gosh. Just to get through the words so that they know how silly and we should. We'll pin that. We'll pin that. The pretentious yep. yeah. Oh yeah, we can we can pin that. Just yeah. to and yeah. and then to have Armand start in with Chara and then Moth comes in with uh, or holo whatever Jalapenos. The holograph guy comes back in with um didn't you mean Sarah? Like he came in trying to insult them, said the wrong word, and these guys still fucking corrected him. Didn't you mean? They mansplained. They Sir, mansplained them all. Actually. And so so then we go to the princess and her ladies, and they go, oh, so have you heard that the gentlemen are going to disguise themselves to try and trick us and throw a party? Here's how we're going to get them back. And so the boys have given all the, sent all the girls little trinkets of jewelry. Gloves, a necklace, a fan, and basically said, I will know you by this Tokens, trinket that, yes, this token yep. that you wear. And so they decide to all mask themselves and, and switch swap. trinkets. Because that always goes super well. And they're like, we're gonna make fools of the guys and it's gonna be so funny. I love that these guys think that dressing up, so the gentlemen decide to dress up as Muscovites. Muscovites. Which is Russians. Yes. They decide to dress up. <laughs> as men from Russia. As men from Russia. In Navarre, which is in like the It's a modern southern... region in yeah, France. Yeah, it's the southern part of France, closer to Spain. Um where there's probably, I'm gonna venture a guess, not a lot of Russians. What they did for this production that we saw, um, they the director actually wrote music that moved all of the transitions. So like mm. Jeff Winetta and a bunch of people they would go and they would sing. Really, really well done kind of songs as well to transition and so what they did for this is they had the muscovites be this old school band that these four had put together because these four guys were totally in a band in college Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is pointing and laughing at ryan right now and i i can't deny this and so the band was called the muscovites Ryan's band was called Strict Nine Cupcake. Yes, we did not. We did not. Uh, we did not make it very far. <laughs> we did not. They wrote two songs, though. We wrote way more than two songs. They we just performed two songs. We performed like we performed like two songs. Oh my god! But that's how. Hey, they... I have a lot of fond memories of those days, hanging out with Dandy Andy and Bear. <laughs> you were totally that guy in childhood. <laughs> I do think it's, I do think that's a funny choice. Uh, yeah, a funny choice there. I think it's funny that Beth remembers the name of the <laughs> shitty college band that me, Andy, and Bear formed. Uh, well, and twenty years well, ago. Well, Chrissy almost. was in it too because she was going to play the drums. She was going to play the drums. Yes. So I remember everything Chrissy does. Sorry for the crinkles. Uh, Cassie and Chase put out a bowl of their leftover Halloween candy. And, and yeah, um, it's not like we can stop. That's why it's out there. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. So the lord, the lords, and Boyette heckle the play. Yeah, which they should. Which they should. It was. It's no. It's horrible. It's horrible. Um. But that's this whole scene is the every every time that. and every time the. Uh, but then a trumpet sounds. Every time the Muscovites try to talk to the ladies, the ladies turn around. Yep. And so they're all talking to the girl wearing their token since they can't see their face, and so they're all wooing. The wrong girl. So why and then are the they girls are like play with a mask on. And I think that you know part of it was this like oh let's try and trick them because that'll be super funny. But then it grows into okay you 
claim to be in love with me and professing your love to me, but we're having an in-depth conversation, and you cannot tell that I am the wrong You don't girl. know who I am. And they get super pissed off about it, which... Wouldn't you? I would. That's also... And thank God it's not a hero moment where she's like, you didn't know it was me and you really thought I was dead, but you were going to marry this girl anyway? Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't... You don't... uh. Yeah. Well, this is also the scene where we find out that Disco Dad (laughs) got Jacquinetta pregnant. Yes. The inseminator. Custard and Disco Dad (laughs) get in a fight. They start to scrap. And then a trumpet. Then a trumpet plays. And what happens? The King of France. The King. So it's merriment, merriment, merriment. And this whole show has been just this like happy, crazy, mixed up romp of a, a how, comedic evening. How wonderful. I love you. You love me. But you don't really know me. Oh, let's make amends. But oh, it, isn't it funny? You me. proposed to her, except you actually want to marry me. And now we've swapped and we're all happy and everything's great. And then this messenger comes in and is like, hey, princess, your dad's dead. And it's like this immediate... Well, nothing throws a bucket of ice water on your hot mood like your dad's did. So the women immediately get ready for morning and, and yep. leave and they look at the, you know, look at, you know... Yeah, the we'll test your love by... Yeah, and so the king's like, you know, what can I do? Yeah. And so basically they put a test to these guys. They're like, hey, you you swear? And so it's this really cool parallel, and I should, I'll get more into this when we take the part of, play a part. But it's this parallel to this oath that they swore in the beginning. Yeah. Now they've got a, another oath that they're being asked to swear is, be faithful. I'm going to be gone for a year and a day. And when I come back, if you've been faithful in that time, then you, you can me. renew your suit and we'll be married. But that's the condition is you have to be faithful because I got to go back and rule which France. Is, which is actually what leads me to my <laughs> beer for tonight. <laughs> Love you. A, bye. It is a... It is a saucy beer. I it's picked from a, Saucy Brew Works. I picked a French beer for the French princess. He found one randomly on a back corner <laughs> shelf that actually matched. It fits the play perfectly. We one, tried really hard. We it were we were really we were nothing. at the beer store for quite some time, and then I happened to catch this one, and you like had walked away to go. Pay yeah, for I your gave beer. up. I gave up too soon. But I really yeah. like. And I, and, 16, I, and I caught this beer. Yeah, well, yeah. And so yeah, and so then love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Um, and so then you might be asking yourselves, okay, well, what happens after a year and a day? Are they faithful? We don't know, because that's the end of the play. The play ends with the girls leaving and the guys going, we will be faithful and wait for you. And then Don Armado says that he will swear a similar oath to Jacquinetta. And And then he sings a song for the nobles. Well, (laughs) he doesn't have to swear that he will be faithful for, like, he doesn't have, she doesn't have to go into mourning. They no. could get married right away. She's going to have a kid before that year and a day is done. Yeah, but Don Armado. Like, Disco if this, hey, if this is the thing the guys are doing the, these days. I'll get, I'll get in there, too. I'll get, I'll get in on it. I, I kiss your royal finger, huh? I vow to Jack Winetta to hold the plow for her sweet love three years. She's gonna love, he's going to love her for three years. Oh, he's going to hold the plow. Yeah. And so that's... So he's going to stop plowing other ladies for three years. But that's it. It's that's... really long, no, not November. <laughs> That's the end. That's it? That's, that's how it ends? That's the end of the show. So that is the big deal about Love Slavers Lost, is that there is no Love Slavers 1. 
And then the question is, do we need a love's labors one, or does it just mirror itself at the end? Fine. And you know, one of the things that Chase and I talked about in reflection upon seeing this show is the fact that the ending is so open-ended makes this play feel very modern. Yeah, and I can see that. And there because, are several Shakespeare plays that do, and this one, you know. But because we do that a lot with stories now that we didn't used to. It used to be like, you have to show everything. You, you had to have a resolution, it. yeah. But now we're in an era where we kind of trust the audience's intelligence to read beyond, <laughs> kind of. But there are lots of books there and lots of books, movies yes. that don't give you that full resolution at the end that leave things on a questioning like note. Like the top spinning at the end of a... Yeah, and just like ask Avengers you... Or, yeah, to um, ask you to fill in the ending kind of for yourself. Fault you in know. Our Stars. Yeah, That's Fault in Our Stars is, is that way too, that book. Mm-hmm. Is it... Which one's that guy? John Green. John Green. Okay. He writes all the really, really sad books that Cassie wants you to read. But I'm not reading another John Green book <laughs> till she reads... Uh, Brandon Sanderson. Period. Done. End of story. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if it was... She doesn't I, care. I wasn't sure if it was that guy or if it was the guy that makes everybody kiss in the rain. That's why I was... That's Nicholas, Nicholas Sparks, Sparks and they're not even on the same... <laughs> anyway. We don't... Um, so never read either of them, but... I don't know him from a dick in the wall. But... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should probably know the difference between a Nicholas Sparks novel and a glory hole. I'm just saying... <laughs> One's a book, and one is literally a dick through a hole. One is an excellent afternoon. It just depends on which way you want to go. That's. I'm just saying, you should probably know I, the difference I, between know, a book and a hole in the wall. I know. I've heard, I, you wouldn't know him from a hole in the wall, but you said a dick in the wall. That's, a, that's actually an old inside joke. You can have glory holes as an old inside joke. <laughs> anyway. No, ask, ask, ask Mike about it. That's Mike about it. I, and on that note, no, I don't want to end on that note. Let's talk about something. You don't want to end, the, don't wanna end on glory holes? Why? Confusing no, John Green for a dick in the wall? I don't. Sorry, John. I really don't. Well, I didn't know about Wait, was I confusing Nicholas we, Sparks or we John? Which, was, it, was it both? Was I confusing both Let's, of them for glory holes? Please, yeah, please don't. Oh, okay. All please don't it. tag John Green in this. <laughs> They were fine up until this point. Hashtag John Green. Hashtag John Green. Hashtag Cassie Guyon. Hashtag she loves you. Hashtag she's also a librarian. Hashtag Nicholas Sparks. Hashtag I really love your books and I respect you as a person a lot. Hashtag Glory Hole. No. Anyway, this play feels super modern and meta because it ends on an open-ended note. No, no, yes. It it, it does. And I, I agree with you there. I and, agree. Now that we're done with that. I think that there's a good discussion to be had in do we need Love's Labors 1? Do we need, you know, that play that shows the resolution? Or can you just go... No, I mean, he could have just written one more act. Yeah. If, if Honestly, it doesn't need a whole other play. If One more act would have been able to do the resolution. So obviously he left it open-ended on purpose. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I feel... So I've always thought... If you wanted a resolution, Love's Labor's one was something that was supposed to have been done, but Love's Labor's Lost only makes sense as a title. It's a labor of love that you have gone through, then leaves, and you don't know yeah. if you are. It only it. makes sense. No, it, like like I said, if Shakespeare wanted a resolution, he'd have written one, and Maybe. he may have, and it just may have gotten lost, or this just flopped at the box office. <laughs> well, and he speaking was, of Burbage flopping was like, at the box. <laughs> And Burbage was like, we're not doing that again. Speaking of flopping at the box office, well, what I was going to say is the, the musical. Yes. 
I was going to bring it up. We can get to it when we go to yeah, adaptations. Yeah, we'll talk we about adaptations. It. But think about this. There's a musical. There is a musical. And I... on that note, we cue the music. We don't have any music. Oh, shit. <laughs> Chase, <laughs> take us out to a slow fade. I, I, I look. We're, can we get we're, some slow jams? We, got, we, we had to say goodbye to the people first. Oh, uh, bye. My name's Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Ryan Atfield. And I'm Chase Greenlee, and the music is going. Excellent. Say goodnight, John Boy. I can't hear it. Say goodnight, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. <laughs>